0: On this week's episode of Comics and Cinema, your host talks about not one, but two emancipations as he reviews Birds of Prey and Harriet, along with a couple of other movies, so stick around. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to the Comics and Cinema podcast where we talk about movies and comics and on this episode it will be movies. Uh, As the intro stated, I'm going to be talking about the double feature I saw of Birds of Prey and Birds of Prey. That's right, I saw it twice Uh, and I also uh, watched Harriet which was a, a way better movie than I thought it would be. And uh, along with that, though, we're going to talk about a couple of other things that I kind of wrapped up and finished, including The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Horse Girl... Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, and guys, I gotta tell you, I just started up the Indiana Jones series again. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but uh, it happened by circumstance. So we'll, we'll dive into dive into all those things. But I wanted to at least first talk about Birds of Prey, as that is that is the main topic, and I really really liked this movie. So my wife and I went and saw it. Um, when was it, a couple days ago? And uh, we'd been trying to see it all week. Literally, we would be like, oh, you know, let's go let's go see it tonight. And uh, one reason or another it didn't work out work schedules and stuff with the house and all, all this business. But we finally got to see it on uh, I think it was on Thursday night and it was awesome. We both really, really liked it. We had an absolute blast, and uh, it was it was so funny. I kept looking over at my wife, and it was, well, it was perfect. We were the only two people in the movie theater, so it was just me and her, and uh, so I guess that kind of uh, necessitates a discussion on the turnout for this film. There's been a lot of talk that the movie is not doing well, and it isn't, Uh, which is a huge bummer but people have been trying to assign blame to many different things including the r rating the uh the exit polls i guess you could say there's a few other things that they're blaming it on the fact that it was too much like suicide squad or, or the fact that people didn't like suicide squad and uh thus did not want to show up and see this film but honestly and Personally, I have no idea why. I mean, these are these are all certainly possibilities. I will say the R rating I thought was awesome. I think it was very appropriate. There's a lot in here that I think would have been really, really boring and, and more so than boring, annoying had it not been rated R. The movie definitely is targeted towards a younger audience, I would say, than typically for an R rating. There's a lot of stuff in the movie that, is you know not not necessarily joke wise but i guess theme wise in the film that I, I guess you know a younger person would probably get more out of than um, someone maybe my age uh, but I still really enjoyed it. And, I, you know, that's my, fa- honestly, my favorite thing about going to the movies is when I'm watching a movie, for the most part, unless it's very, very blatant, I'm able to kind of shut myself off from not, like who I am. So I, I'm not a 28 year old guy watching the movie. I'm just watching the movie. So I love kids' movies, I love animated movies. And uh, so if this movie's targeted to a younger audience, I still enjoyed it nonetheless. It just, it was clear in some spots like, wow, you know, if I was a young, uh, you know, if I was like a teenage girl, I would probably be like in love with this film. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is so inspiring. And I, that's inspiring. But it is just I don't know. It's, it's fun. And, and there were multiple times in the film where I was just like, these ladies are kicking ass like they are and doing it in such a cool and stylized way. I just really enjoyed that, and so I could see being a you know being a younger girl and seeing that representation on screen uh, would be awesome to me, and be like, oh man, where can I get some more of this? Because these birds of prey, they take no nonsense, and there's this uh, there's a bit at the end where they all kind of team up, and they just absolutely kick ass, and the filming follows it that way as well. So it's really easy to enjoy this movie if you just let yourself kind of get swept up into it. On the second viewing, I saw it in IMAX and it was just as good in IMAX though uh there were some instances when i was watching it and i was thinking like oh this is kind of like deadpool in a sense it's like a female deadpool but if we're comparing this to deadpool i would honestly say it was probably better than deadpool just because the jokes were a lot smarter and it just it didn't seem like they were trying to uh cater to the, the lowest common denominator i guess you could say whereas deadpool a lot of that was like okay all right like oh we get it you know this is you're being saucy we, we i i get it whereas birds of prey maybe one or two times was it like that but for the most part it wasn't like there's just some really good jokes and some good bits that are very organic in the movie and i ended up really enjoying i would say that uh I'm trying to think of who the standout would have been for me, and I'm, I'm pulling it up here. But while I'm doing that, uh, it was directed by Kathy Yan and written by Christina uh, Hodson, and I'm pulling her up. She also wrote Bumblebee, which is cool. She wrote uh, Unforgettable and Shut In. And Kathy Yan is a director and hasn't really done anything. Um, yeah, she's been a producer on a couple of things and a director to what looks like maybe some shorts. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure. So this sounds like this is probably her um, her first kind of big movie break. So good for her for that. But uh, it stars Margot Robbie, Rosie Perez, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, and uh, Ewan McGregor. And it also stars uh, Ella J. Basco and Chris Messina. And we got a little bit of Ali Wong as well. So I would say the scene stealer for The Birds of For me, um, and and of course, this is besides Harley because Harley was awesome, Harley was incredible. Margot Robbie did such a good job portraying her as this fun, sassy, doesn't really care type attitude while also having a heart of gold. Uh, It was just really nice to see, especially because. I uh, I recently had read the Harleen comic series from DC's Black Label, and if you haven't read that, I would really recommend reading it. It went along really well with this movie. It's uh, it's only three issues. It's three oversized issues. They're in like almost a like magazine type book format. So really great if you're uh, tr- like a collector trying to collect them. It's also in a hardcover as well. But uh, it is essentially the origin of Harley Quinn. And so it goes over her when she was in school and graduating after she got her PhD and then getting her job at Arkham Asylum and interviewing and working with the Joker. And there's, it gets way deeper than that, but it is just – it's it's great that they are following that in the film so you know with dc in the past a lot of the stories that dc does they take very small bits from comics at least for me from comics that i've read cuz i do not read a lot of dc comics but like aquaman i was i couldn't even understand what the story was in relation to the comics like there hadn't been a comic necessarily like this movie i would think the closest thing would maybe be the aquaman series by i think it was jeff johns back when they uh, DC rebirth or the new 52. Uh, But even then it was very, very different. So the only thing that was similar, though, was the scene in the trench when they're going down there and all the all the like crazy fish people are down there. That was exactly like the comics. And so when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is like taken right off the page. And so seeing this film, there were pieces of it like when she's introducing her origin and talking about her phd and doing her she does some diagnoses during the movie which was great uh and they really reminded me of the comic and i was like i'm really happy that i read that like it really enhanced my viewing and same with the birds of prey like i i haven't watched a lot of dc shows but i have watched arrow Uh, i've watched i think four or five seasons of arrow and a lot of the characters in birds of prey are from that show they're not the same uh actors by any means but uh uh, dinah lance the black canary who's played by uh journey smollett bell she there's a character of her that's um i don't remember what her name is her actor the actor who plays her but dinah lance is a huge character in uh in arrow it's it's Oliver queen's love interest and for most of the series and so that was cool to see her here and then same with Huntress she was in Arrow for a couple of episodes so it was nice to see Huntress in here as well I don't know anything about Renee Montoya who's Rosie Perez in here I don't know if that's a character from the comics I wasn't sure but I thought it was cool that like okay some of these characters have superpowers some of them don't they're just cops so that was really nice and um, but I think Ultimately, out of absolutely everybody, so besides okay, besides Harley, I think honestly, I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress stole the show for me, just because her character was the most exciting. Um, But she, they still, unfortunately, they didn't get enough screen time in my eyes, and I think a lot of people agreed with that. That, but that's part of it. the The movie is focused on Harley, so you're not getting as much, and that's that's the kind of movie that I like because it leaves you wanting more. But in terms of my favorite character in the movie, after seeing it twice, and again besides Harley, since she's the main character is 100% Ewan McGregor's character, Roman Sionis, He uh, Black Mask, he's so good, and he's so funny, there's uh, there's a couple of bits that I died laughing at uh, in both viewings, uh, and one of them was when he he like shows up after he's captured, okay, and here's what we'll say too, uh, I will go into brief spoilers, I, I guess I'll discuss some spoilers, there really isn't any spoilers in this movie, which I like, in terms of like, there's nothing tying it to the greater DC universe. The Joker is mentioned a couple of times, but you never see him. And it honestly enhances the film, it 100% enhances it because like there's a scene where uh Ewan McGregor's uh Roman Sionis he's at the bar with Harley and she does something to really get him mad but he can't do anything because she's with the Joker and he's like give the Joker give my best the Joker and it was just like cool to hear them say his name because you think about what the best version of the Joker is in your head uh, versus actually having to see Jared Leto as the Joker which Uh, is fine or even honestly getting to see Joaquin Phoenix like seeing any sort of Joker in this would have really taken away from the film because you know inevitably people would have been like oh you know I wish the ways the Joker had been in here more or I wish he hadn't been in there at all because we're only focusing on him and uh, so not having him at all I think was a, a calculated benefit but with that said, a calculated uh, non-benefit that I think uh, and I've heard has been an issue is this R rating bit of it. So people are saying, oh, you know, the, you know, people, it didn't show up because the, the targeted audience is, you know, 12 to 17 year olds uh, to, and they, you know, they can't go see a rated R movie. And so, yes, that's true. Though I know of a lot of people who would tell me that they would purchase a ticket for one movie and go walk into another theater. And I remember when I was in high school, I'd be like, why would you do that? Like, that's crazy. Why can't you like, uh. but then at the same time, I was like, man, I wish I, you know, I did that. I was a very, uh, I guess the word, I mean, the word I called it was nerdy, but I don't know what you would want to call it. But I, I, I was not the kind of person that would do that. And um but so so maybe there you know that's what they did but that's not going to give the ticket sales because then they're buying a ticket for a completely different movie so there's a possibility there for sure but the problem is this movie didn't know whether it wanted to be a pg-13 movie or a rated r film and on the first viewing i did it didn't like i didn't catch it right away but on the second viewing i definitely did there's a lot of scenes where I felt like, okay, they could have gone a little further with this, where like the final fight scene when they're all teaming up is incredible. The choreography is great. And speaking of the choreography, uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't remember his name, but it's not David Leach, but um, the guy who did the choreography and stunts for John Wick was brought in to... Uh, kind of assist and provide feedback and and help beef up the fights in this movie. And it shows it shows and and what's great about that is knowing, that this guy clearly has something in his head. Like he he knows how to do fights and he knows how to make those fights very kinetic and very moving and things are happening all around. And you'd think after three John Wick movies that, you know, what else is in the barrel, right? Like you've got to be getting to the bottom of the barrel in terms of what you're thinking. Oh, I want this fight to look like. like you would think by now, it'd be like, oh, we saw that fight in John Wick. No, 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 no. Even the fights in this movie are separate from John Wick's fights. Like they are just as creative uh and and honestly they are the highlight of the movie those are the best parts of the movie are the fights and the fights are uh and again so like i said if you don't want to be spoiled by that sort of thing i guess you could skip ahead a little bit or pause this and come back but uh the fights the best ones at least for me the most memorable the most memorable of them all is is the harley and cassie cassidy kane cassandra kane uh, fight in the police precinct and I would argue that this fight is it's a two-part fight so there's one part of it is when Harley is breaking in to get Cassandra Kane. and uh, just like Harley would say well wait a minute let's let's back up to the very beginning that's one thing that I, I sort of enjoyed because it was like oh this is cute but also kind of got a little bothersome was she jumps around in time a lot and so she's narrating the movie which is cool but um she keeps jumping back and forth and so that essentially what happens and i'm just going to do it in chronological order we're only going to get this one jump back but uh what happens is uh, harley quinn and the joker break up and she in uh, a drunken sort of stupor, whether you want to call it a stupor, a rage, whatever she decides, I really need to make this official. And so she drives a semi truck with gasoline uh, into the Ace Chemicals plant where they became the Joker and Harley, where, or where Harley became Harley Quinn, and you know the same place where Joker was, the the big vat of acid. And so that whole place explodes at the exact same time. uh, Officer Montoya is right. Yeah, Rene Montoya, Rosie Perez's character. She is investigating a string of murders that were committed by the Huntress, and she doesn't. They don't know yet who the Huntress is, so they're thinking that it is in relation to Roman Sionis. Something that maybe he did to try and he's trying to like make a power grab. Uh, Now, not just because of Harley and Joker breaking up, but also just because he's you know mad with power, sort of thing. And so she's on, she's investigating that when the explosion goes off. So she's like, okay, now I need to hunt down Harley Quinn. And so she's on the prowl for Harley. All at the same time, Roman Sionis, his whole goal is he just got a lead on the Bertinelli diamond, which is a diamond that has laser engraved in it the codes or whatever for offshore bank accounts for the Bertinelli family, who was murdered years ago by uh, another crime boss. So there's like this whole mafia backstory behind it of like, oh, you know, these mafia families keep trying to power grab. And so eventually what happens is Roman Sionis was the one who made that power grab to kill the Bertinelli family. So Huntress was the daughter of that family that was murdered. And, and somehow, and I'm, again, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but she gets out alive when she's young and spends the rest of her life kind of training to kill the people that killed her family. That includes um, basically everyone, like Roman Sionis, all of them. Though at the time, she does not know that Roman Sionis is the one who set him up. Uh, she finds that out at the end, so then she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have fight with you guys." But along with that, Black Canary works for Roman Sionis, works in her his uh, his lounge, like uh, his dance lounge or you know song lounge as a singer, and eventually turns into his driver. And so she's got a little bit of a lead on things. And then there's Cassandra Kane, who is played by uh, Ella J. Basco. She does a great job as a, a young pickpocket. And so what happens is, and so that's kind of the whole crux of the story, is because the Joker and Harley are broken up, Roman Sionis wants to kill Harley Quinn because why not, right? Like she's super annoying, everyone hates her, so he's going to kill her. Um, But at the same time, He's trying to get this diamond, and so uh, he has a henchman who's like his his lackey, which is Victor Zaz, which was one of the best surprises for me in this film because I don't know a lot of DC characters besides the main ones, but Victor Zaz I do know because his name was always so funny. I was like Zaz, wow, he's the literally gonna always be the last person in the alphabetical order, and uh, so he's in this movie, and I was like, oh, that's super cool. Uh, but so Victor Zaz and Black Canary go to get this diamond they get it. The diamond is then pickpocketed by Cassandra Kane And right after she's pickpocketed, she's arrested for pickpocketing and taken to the precinct. And so, uh, you've got all these stories and that's what i'm saying if this sounds convoluted it kind of is and maybe that's why harley tells it the way that she does is because the storytellers figured it makes more sense if you start and just tell one part of the story and then say wait let's go back to the beginning and explain it again but so the 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 catalyst of this film is 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 Cassandra pickpocketing this diamond? So Roman's like, I need to find this diamond, and he's about to kill Harley, and she's like, I'll find the diamond for you. Like, just let me try, and if it doesn't work, you can kill me. She's basically trying to save her skin. So she goes down to the precinct, and um, she and so like within this, and I guess I'm trying to think if there were any, I, I'm blanking on if there were any other fights before this but so she gets down to the precinct and this is fight part one of this precinct fight she shows up and again these are in different scenes so like this is not all one long scene but so she shows up and she has a riot gun with uh you know you would put in there like gas pellets but she has glitter pellets uh pellets that have bean bags in them and then pellets that have like goo And pellets with smoke, and it's, it's so insane. And that's where, that's, this is, these fights. Sorry, I'm going crazy here, like thinking about them, but these fights are just so well choreographed. And so stylish. She's walking in. The camera's kind of going in slow motion. And she says, I'd like to report a terrible crime. And the cop's like, what crime is that? And she just, uh, I don't even remember what she says the crime was because it was so, the fight was so good. But she's right there and she, you know, whips out her, her gun and and shoots him with a beanbag right in the head knocks him out shoots another cop with a beanbag and i'm just like wow this is and that's this fight makes you really realize that Goss- gotham is a complete garbage dump because how would somebody be able to just walk into the gotham precinct where all the police officers are and just start doing this without any consequences and it's like oh yeah that's cuz it's gotham like they did a really good job of making the pe- the police just seem completely inept and so she's shooting beanbags, and then she shoots a blue gas pellet, and then a red gas pellet, and then there's a scene, a slow-mo scene of her walking through the gas, where the colors of the, the gas match the colors in her hair and shirt, like, it's so cool. And so she's going in there to bust out Cassandra Kane. At the same time, uh, Black Canary is, like, realizing, because she she knows Cassandra Kane. they live in the same apartment, and she realizes, like, oh no, Roman's going to have her killed, and so she calls the police officer and is like, hey, Cassandra Kane has the diamond. You need to get her. And so at this point now, the cop is after Cassandra as well. So Har- that's the first part of this fight. The second part is Harley goes into the prison piece. It almost looked like the same cells from Suicide Squad. Uh, I can't confirm that. But... Um, So she goes in and same thing, like the, what is it? The sprinkler system goes off. And so there's water everywhere. And there's just this really slow-mo, awesome fight sequence of her beating up all of the villains. And they're just regular Joe Schmoes, but um, just beating up all the bad guys in these cells because there's a malfunction. She causes a malfunction to have all the gates open so that she could get Cassandra. Didn't realize it was going to open all the other gates. So she's fighting all these guys. Cassandra's running away. And that's part two of the fight. And then part three, which is my favorite part of all of the fights, is she goes into the evidence locker room and uh, is fighting these other guys because at this point now Roman is like you know what I can't guarantee that Harley's gonna get this diamond for me plus I hate Harley so I'm gonna make an open bounty on Cassandra Kane so anyone can go get her very John Wick 2 style or even John Wick 3 um, but so there's other people now in the precinct trying to get at Cassandra so they're in this evidence locker and they're using evidence to fight like she hits somebody with a bowling ball and then eventually though she finds this baseball bat and the, the fight with this bat is is John Wick level 100% John Wick level of a fight it's awesome there's a the, the best bit literally the best bit for me in the whole movie she's going she knocks this guy down so this guy's on the ground she hits him over the head with the bat another guy's running towards her and so this is all a wide shot where she's on the one end she's on the right end of the camera and this guy's on the other end the left end he's running towards her and again wide shot so you can see the whole thing she throws her bat she like puts her bat over her head two-handed slams it down on the ground it ricochets up to the guy smacks him in the face and knocks him out and then while it's spinning in the air it comes right back and she catches it and then just goes to town on another guy oh man it's just like i said john wick level and then uh basically they escape cassandra and her escape and uh, there's also a really great sequence of her kicking a phone at montoya that i think would be is very enjoyable but they escape and at this point cassandra's like i can't believe it like oh my god why are people after me and it's like why do you think you pickpocketed a diamond literally five minutes after black canary was like you need to be careful who you pickpocket and it's like okay you know that lesson came back quick and so uh, she's got it. She falls kind of for Cassandra Kane and thinks, oh, you know, maybe she can make me a better person. I can kind of help her. She seems to be in a bad way. I'll be a good role model for her. But then she gets sold out by her landlord and realizes maybe I should just sell out Cassandra as well for my own safety. And uh, so she calls Roman Sionis and says, meet me at the amusement park. And so, again, all of these different stories kind of come to a head at this amusement park where the birds of prey now are and again not going into too much detail they all show up there for their own reasons and then Sionis has an entire army of bad guys now to go fight and they're like we need to team up and so then we get the second best fight of the movie, which is them all tag teaming Avengers style in this in this funhouse, and it was just, it's so good the way the camera pans around them, and just like the Avengers, but again, incredibly different because this is not an Avengers movie. But uh, you know you do get the classic spin around, everyone's doing cool moves, and uh, if you are all wondering if Black Canary gets to uh, use her powers in this movie, all I'll say is uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised and um and so then by the end of the movie and and here's where we'll go to full spoilers so if you uh if you don't want to know how this movie ends uh you know you can again skip ahead or pause it whatever i'm just giving you a final warning but um she does use her powers and it's awesome and so it ends up propelling harley on rollerblades roller skates uh while sionis is driving away with uh, cassandra kane and so catches up with her and there's this gr- just a great driving sequence, and by the end of it, they're on the they're on a pier, they're at the docks, and it's just Black Mask and her, and then Cassandra has got her, and uh, they get a cool little I guess monologue bit, and then it's revealed that Cassandra Kane had a grenade all along that she picked up, and you and you see it. So if you follow along with the movie, it's not like oh wow this is a MacGuffin sort of thing or it comes out of nowhere. It's it's not MacGuffin. That'd be an ex a deuce ex machina, but. Um, so she pulls the grenade, and it's in his pocket. Harley kicks him off the pier, and he literally explodes before hitting the water. So there is absolutely no question Black Mask is dead, like he's 100% dead, which is a tragedy because Ewan McGregor, again, steals the show, chews up every scene that he's in, And uh, but it was good. I'm glad. I was like, thank goodness. Like This is a one-and-done movie, one-and-done villain. Great. They really got something here. And so by the end of the film, we kind of get a setup to the Birds of Prey, which is just the three other uh, women, which is what Black Canary, the Officer Montoya, and uh, Huntress. Harley is not a part of that. She has taken an apprentice, Cassandra Kane. And so... They drive off and uh, into the sunset, and that's basically the end. I did not stay till after the credits. I heard that all that's after the credits is her saying, "Why, why just stay after the credits?" And I'm not about to. I'm not about to get scolded by Harley Quinn. So, um, so we left right at the credits both times. And I, I lied to you. Well, no, I didn't lie to you guys. My favorite fight. I told you that was my favorite fight. But my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, vivid, 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 vivid. My favorite scenes involve a breakfast sandwich that's all i'm gonna say uh but that breakfast sandwich stole the show those were the types of scenes that made this movie unique and those are the reasons uh, we we loved it so much me and my wife loved it so much it reminded reminded me a lot of my wife we were giggling so hard during the movie it was just like i kept saying to each other like harley is your spirit animal she's it's just great it was awesome we had a great time Um, But yeah, so in terms of it, you know, in the wider DC universe, all I'll say is I really hope that DC keeps making movies like this. I feel bad that it didn't do well. And I have no control over that. But uh, if they keep making creative movies like this creative choices, that's great. But again, they really need to decide what it is they want to be because there's a lot of stretches of this movie that could have easily just been a PG 13 movie. And most of it I was like, okay, this movie's only rated R because there's a lot of swearing in this movie. And to me, that is like, I don't know. I feel like kids these days, 17, 16, 15 year olds, they are already saying those things. Uh, you know, they, they stop me. I'll be just minding my own business, mowing my lawn. And I'll, I get I get verbally harassed by young, young people uh, all the time saying words that I've never even knew existed. And I'm like, how old are you? And they're like, shut up, I'm only 10. And I'm like, wow, this is just crazy. So I feel like maybe the MPAA should be uh, discussing and changing their rating system so that maybe there's an R rating for like this movie is for mature audiences, like an actual mature audience member versus this movie may have some bad language, but a younger, less mature person is going to love this movie. And uh, again, I guess that's putting me in that category as well. Which uh, I guess you could say sometimes I'm not very mature, but um, and for those of you wondering, I'm fine. I, uh, I it's everything is fine in terms of uh, the neighbors harassing me, but uh, no, I. Th- no neighbors are harassing me but you know what i mean like it's it just seems like these younger kids they're gonna go see this movie and and this movie wouldn't be one of those ones where they go see it and they're swearing and they're scarred for life because there are a lot of physical and violent things in this movie but for the most part you don't see anything like uh i'm trying to think of what movie it was where the person gets punched and it's a slow-mo punch and teeth come out of their mouth and you see it in slow motion and it's like, oh man, that's so bad. That sort of stuff doesn't happen in this movie. There's a couple of crazy ones where Harley, it's usually involving Harley breaking legs, but when she jumps on somebody's legs or hits them with a bat, they snap and they break, and those sounds are, are bad. They're not great. But there's no blood. There's like zero blood. There's a couple of bits where a little bit of blood flies up in the air. And I just kept saying to myself, like, this doesn't, this feels like a PG 13 movie. And then obviously there'd be like 10 F words in a row, and it was like, oh, okay, all right, there we go. That's why it's rated R. But. Still, it just, it didn't, it felt like they didn't know what they wanted it to be. They didn't know whether they wanted this to be a PG 13 movie that they could make uh, probably more money on or an R rated movie, more like Deadpool. And uh, they just, it sounds like they never really came to that decision, and, and that definitely hurt the movie. So I think if they'd have embraced their R rating, I bet you this movie would have done a little better. It would have had more word of mouth. Maybe they could have re- released some Red Band trailers, and people would have been like, wow, this movie looks crazy. Or they could have just done a PG-13 movie, and same thing. More people would have gone to see it. But that's the bed they've made. And only time will tell what consequences will be had for this movie not performing well, whether that is there being no sequel or what. But as far as I understand it, uh, Harley Quinn and Margot Robbie are returning for the Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn is doing that I think it either comes out this year or next year. I, I have to check. I don't remember. But... But yeah, so Birds of Prey. If you haven't seen it, or you have seen it, I'd recommend going to see it again. And uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely going to see it. Uh, So next up, like I said in the intro, I was I I started my intro and I was like, I was like, do I have any puns that I can do for this? I'm usually trying to come up with puns, and I know an artist should never, a magician should never reveal his tricks. But uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, this movie, I'm not going to say the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, because that's just too long. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, you're fantabulous host. But then I was like, emancipation? I also saw Harriet. And technically, she was emancipated and emancipated a ton of people. So perfect. It, this, is a, this is the segue that I needed. And that is why uh, the listeners just keep coming back it's for the witty banter that I have between myself and the microphone, and, uh, so thank you so much for your patronage, uh, but technically, I would call it something else, maybe your, your listenage, because this is not a Patreon, you guys are not patrons, I would, am not gonna make you pay for anything, uh, you just get to enjoy this and turn it off whenever you want, uh, but Harriet, truly amazing, fun, great movie, um, this was uh, this this was the movie that my wife and I watched for Valentine's Day, which was awesome. Uh, we were gonna go do Har- go do Birds of Prey, but we just did that the night before, and uh, so we watched this movie at the house. I had uh, I had it from the library, and it just Cassie Lemons as the director, who. Uh, I don't think, this may, it's not her first directing, directorial, but it is a great one, and I am shocked that she didn't get nominated, and I I also am shocked this movie, I, I, I'm not shocked that this movie didn't get nominated for Best Picture, or for literally anything besides the song and Cynthia, but I would have been happy to see that it had gotten nominated, because it really was a good movie, it, it really portrayed Harriet Tubman, as just the ultimate badass of the time and uh, I know that's a, a we- I guess a weird thing to say because you know technically it was it was a, an absolutely terrible time but she really was she went through so much and did so much she had visions that i I didn't realize and i i had i was like did she actually have visions and my wife was like i don't know let me go look but they really play that up in the movie of like she would get these visions from god and whether you want to call them visions of god maybe she was clairvoyant maybe she was getting messages from the universe whatever it is she was an incredibly special human being one way or another and that was her superpower she had the sixth sense for danger that she would she would get these visions of like i need to go back and so that 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 was the coolest thing and i end up learning a lot more about harriet tubman than i thought she's one of my favorite um, abolitionists i guess would be the right thing i mean she's just a, a, one of my favorite historical figures in general and i knew a lot about her from growing up we read a lot about her but i just it'd been a while since i'd really known her story so i was really excited to see this movie because i wanted to know her story and cynthia arrivo just absolutely is drop dead amazing in this film she has got a voice on her she is such a good singer and her performance was just amazing again totally worthy of that best actress nomination but um, what i didn't know was so she so she escapes and um oh and a shout out to joel Alwin who is from uh, he's from billy lynn's long uh, long halftime walk and he plays the slave owner and he's just who it to to be to have to be him as an actor he just he he plays a real slime ball a real horrible person and uh, i don't want to go into too much detail because i do not want this movie to be about the only you know white guy who has a lot of parts in this film but he was just played a really good terrible person and i was really happy with things uh ended with him because i was like good good for you harriet like you show him and uh but no, so Cynthia Riva was just absolutely phenomenal. She, um, so she, she, she escapes to freedom, and she does it by herself. And so she shows up in Philadelphia, and we were just at this point again. We were floored. We're just like to think of all the people that had to go through this during that time, like god this wasn't even this was like 150 years ago it wasn't a long time ago and these people are literally fleeing hundreds of miles They've, they don't have shoes they don't have food and they're literally just running and as i'm watching this i'm like it's like a sick game the way the government was treating them because they had it in place where so so like that she she flees to philadelphia and um she's there she's safe slavery is illegal there they, they she finds these abolitionists and starts a new life And so it's like, okay, so all she had to do was cross the Pennsylvania border. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is like a really, really weird Red Rover, a really, really weird, like, not necessarily capture the flag, but just like, oh, you can, you know, oh, if you run, if you run 100 miles, you can be a free person, or you can stay here and be a slave for the rest of your life, like, to have that be a thought in your head, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. It's absolutely terrifying. It's it's unsettling. And she does such a good job of portraying that of, of there's these just amazing scenes where she ends up staying with Janelle Monet, who was awesome. I love Janelle Monet. And when I saw her turn my wife, I was like, there she is. She showed up. Uh, and she was great. But so she stays at her house and she was born free. And she's like saying certain things like, oh, you know, you're, you're so strong, yada, yada, yada. And she, and Harriet turns to her and she's like, you've never been a slave. And she's like, no, I'm like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, like, it's just you, you, and she says it to the, to the abolitionists towards the end as well. Like you guys forget what it's like to be a slave, what it's like to be in constant fear all the time. Like you've gotten comfortable And so she's like, I can't, and I I can't stand by, like I have to keep saving people. And it's just such a powerful, I cried, my wife and I both cried during her speech, like it's such a moving speech. And to think that again, like, yes, slavery is not, is, is gone now. Like, well, I mean, debatable whether it's gone. There's still a lot of forms of slavery out there, but, um, but that time period is gone. But the, the effects, the ripple effects of that time period are still being felt, and we were talking about that. Like, that's you know, a lot of a lot of Black people are in that position now because of where they were way back when, because their ancestors were slaves. And they, in Harriet's example, she she flees, and at that time, um, she had she had a man that she loved, uh, but they ha- they had not gotten married yet, or they they wanted to get married, and her slave, her owner was like, no, I'm not going to allow this, and it was like, wow, dude, like, he had promised freedom for her and didn't give it, and it's just, again, cracking my mind open that, like, someone would do this to another human being, and, uh, so there's this other bit where she, so she comes back, and that's the next part of the story, she, she saves herself, they're like, they're like, who helped you, like, you know, who else can we write down, because they're clearly not here, like, they died, she's like, it was just me, and they're like, are you serious, and she's like, yep, it was just me, and, and God, And they're like, you traveled a hundred miles. And she's like, yep. And they're just like blown away. And so she gets this vision in her head that she has to go save her husband. And she's like, I gotta go back. And they're like, no, no, like don't go back. Like this is not a, this is a one-time thing. Like you can't guarantee that you're gonna be able to make it back again. Like you just got here. And again, we're sitting there going like, why is this something that needs to like even be discussed? Like why is there, why was there a world where you could just flee to another state and you were free and then the minute you walk across an imaginary line into another state you're a slave it's just it's it's insane it's absolutely insane but she's like i gotta go back so she goes back and finds out that her husband had another uh, uh, is with another woman now and they, they have a child or they're having a child and she's like i can't believe this and we're like well at the same time you know she left and was gone for a couple of years. It, it they made it seem so it was like he moved on. There's you no know, nothing wrong with that, but devastating for Harriet. And so she realizes in that moment that wasn't why she had that vision. She didn't have it to save her husband. She had it to save all the other people that can't save themselves. And so she saves her whole, like almost all of her family. And there's this amazing bit in this movie where her father, who's played by Clark Peters, who for for any astute uh people out there he is in his dark materials but uh he plays the father and so when she returns he like blindfolds himself he's like he's like mint and she goes by minty with her family but then she makes them call her harriet but so she he's like minty i can't look at you because i need to be able to tell people that i haven't seen you when they ask so that i'm not lying and i was like oh very very interesting like a very honest guy because people trusted him and so every time she would return he'd have a blindfold on so he never got to see her which is so sad and uh, so she she shows up, and he's like, you know, take all of them. I'm not leaving until all of my family is gone, and that includes the other slaves. And so she saves like an – and so then they do the greatest montage. And that's why, you know, if you guys are a fan of, I guess, feel good, real feel-good movies that have – that really pull at your heartstrings at the same time, this one's perfect because – uh, we forgot or my wife forgot the story of Harriet Tubman for a bit and uh, the movie like in the first 15 minutes she escapes to freedom or it's maybe even like the first 20 minutes and she looks to me she's like so then what's she was like what's the rest of the movie about I was like she goes back to go get more slaves she's like oh yeah I was like yeah like how cool is that like she Did not mess around like she escaped right away and it was just so cool to see that they followed that like it wasn't the whole movie was her trying to escape like the whole movie is about every single other person that she saves so they do this great montage of her just bringing more and more people into this abolition's office and uh but so the reason i'm bringing all this up is there's this scene where she Uh, One of the people she saves, it's like her brother or cousin, something like that, but he leaves his family, like his wife and their child, they don't want to leave, like his wife doesn't want to leave, the child's like super young, but he says to her, and this just was where one of the scenes where we started to cry was like, he says, um, he's like, I can't, I, I could never be, not that I could ever be forced to make this decision, but like the choice is obvious. He's like, I would rather die fighting for my freedom and, and fleeing than staying. And he's like, and my wife was too scared to make that decision for the child. So they're staying. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, that's just devastating to have to have that sort of choice in your life to literally leave your, your very young child, uh, behind and then start a brand new life in another state like can you imagine you know whatever the circumstances are imagine you being with your family and you just leave and you tell your family that i'm leaving and it's for a reason that they can't argue like it's not a oh i hate you now it's like a i wish i could come with you but i can't sort of thing and they leave and they move whole states and you never hear from them again. You never see them again. Your son or daughter never sees their father again. I just can't imagine it. I, it would break my heart. And so to see that this sort of stuff was happening is just, it, it was really, really sad. And so I say that based on uh, what I was saying earlier about, you know, this stuff is still prevalent today because, imagine that child so that child who is left behind has no, is now grows up in slavery sure this, let's just say the civil war happens and they're emancipated so now he's a free he's a free man that has never known his father assuming by that point too his mom's probably passed away she a lot of slaves were killed and in this movie were shown as being killed for like associating even with harriet tubman who at this point's called moses by everybody which was so badass because all these stupid white people thought that uh, it was a ma- a white man dressed in black face which was i was laughing so hard i'm like of course and i turned to my wife this is it's really interesting and i'm i've i need to think on this more i would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this whenever there's something horrible like this that happens in the world and and even something minor where there's there's a clear right and wrong and it's something that one side doesn't grasp but the other side doesn't clearly does grasp like slavery or you know uh, eugenics or ba- you know anything that you could associate with like nazis or hate basically the the difference between love and hate i guess you could say Th- there's just such a clear delineation between the good guys typically being incredibly smart people and the bad guys being incredibly stupid people like very unintelligent and I wonder if that's something that is, you know, translated in all things. So, like, when I'm watching this movie, the whole slavery piece, these slave owners are all gathered in the town square. And they're like debating what they're going to do about Moses. And they're like, oh, you know, this Moses is ruining our livelihoods because he's taking all of these slaves from us. And they're like, who do you think Moses is? And it's like, I heard that it's a, a white abolitionist in blackface. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, that traitor. And I'm just laughing. I was literally laughing because I'm like, how stupid do you have to be? And, and you know, there's really no way they would have assumed that because at the time, again, stupidity ended up being the rich people because, you know, of course it could never be a woman and certainly not a black woman because, you know, that just would have been unheard of. But then you have on Harriet's side, every single mission that she's taking, yes, she has been guided by God, but... She's making these missions. She's literally taking groups of people, hundreds of miles to freedom and no one catches her. That, does, that, that There's bits of luck in there, but there's also a lot of ingenuity and intelligence there because you have to be smart to know how to navigate things and hide in the right spots. So I just kept thinking about like, wow, these people who, usually the people who are the loudest, the people who have the most hate in their hearts, And the people, and oftentimes those people end up being rich and then they become really hateful because they don't want to lose that power that they've gained. Uh, They're just usually really stupid. And it's because, maybe it's because they've gotten comfortable. Maybe it's because they've gotten soft. But it just... It's so funny to think that they they thought that, and so then when they they find out that it's Harriet Tubman, they're like, I can't believe this, and it's like, good, you can't believe this because you're a stupid idiot and you deserve this, and uh, so that part, that whole bit was great, but uh, but yeah, so just to have you know somebody who's growing up to to kind of bring it back to that in terms of it affecting things today you know, that person growing up without a father and now maybe without a mother and was a slave and now isn't a slave, they have to go create their own life. And they're creating it in the rubble of this horrible, horrible thing. And there's these, there's the incredible powerful scenes towards the end too, where she's explaining to her former master that, uh, you know, like a day of much like Papa John says, um, a day of reckoning is coming. She's like, God did not meant didn't mean for people to own other people and she's saying this all because she's had a vision of it and she's she's literally has visions of the civil war before the civil war happens and it's again just brings tears to your eyes because you're like she's just such a powerful woman and uh but so to have that rubble and that part of your life and so a lot of black people today are still facing those struggles because of uh, the the impact of all those years ago, and that's only a couple of generations, and that's something that was really touched on in Watchmen, especially in that one scene where, uh, um, not Silk Spectre, man, I'm, I don't remember his name, Looking Glass, uh, when he's at the self self help group, the help group for the incident, and that one, uh, the one black guy says, it's a it's a type of like ingrained trauma inherited trauma that he's inherited from his parents having to go through something like that and i do truly believe that that's a real thing you 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 inherit the things that your parents give you you inherit their genes you inherit their their life in a sense because you live with them and you inherit their the things that they've faced and so just to to see that it just was really tough and and made me feel really bad for all of the people that have had to go through that sort of thing. And it also made me feel bad for the fact that everyone is always trying to cover that sort of stuff up and sweep it under the rug. And it's like, how are you supposed to move forward if you don't discuss those things and don't try and right those wrongs? And that was why, I I mean, Watchmen was such a good piece of, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but uh, the whole... um, reparations act that was in there the uh Redford-ations, as they called it but the reparations there was so cool i was i was really happy about that because uh, i was like you know finally the ta- our tax money going to something good and not something dumb but uh, but yeah so i don't know those were just some thoughts that i had while i was watching the movie but again the score was amazing was beautiful the songs were great the direction was fantastic there's just some really well shot scenes and overall, I thought it was a really powerful movie. So again, if you're a fan of Harriet Tubman, you're a fan of that time in history. It's, kind of, it's a sort of pre-Civil War. But then the best part was at the very end, they show her in the Civil War. And I've, I learned another new fact, which she was, to this day, the, still one of the only fem, black, or female and black female people to lead a battalion of soldiers in the army, no one else has ever done that, and I was like, that is so cool, she broke so many barriers, and no one even noticed, And you know, no one's, people should be, there should be monuments for Harriet Tubman, and I'm sure there are, and I I don't know of them, so if I don't, I apologize, but I feel like that's someone that we should celebrate a lot more, and just, I would, I would even say, at, at par with Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman did so much, and just think about, all of the lives that she saved, and they showed at the end of the movie I think she ended up saving 77 lives 77 slaves she freed and at first I was like oh, it was only 77 but then I'm thinking back like Alex 77 count that that's 10 and then another 10 and then another 10 and then keep going. That is so many people so there are there are 77 lives which by now a hundred years is probably at least a couple hundred people who have been positively impacted because of Harriet Tubman. And there's probably countless more who've just been in her, her hemisphere, her atmosphere, and benefited from doing so because she was an amazing person. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I guess this portion of the podcast is dedicated to Harriet Tubman. Thank you so much for everything that you did. And thank you for making this country great and for being something that people can look up to and truly being a hero so, um, so that's Harriet Tubman. And like I said, really thought that was a great movie. Uh, so in terms of some minor discussions here, I'm going to talk about just a couple things, uh, while I'm here, since I talked, uh, mentioned them at the beginning, but I saw some new movies. These are movies that are not recent movies, but I've seen for the first time. I saw Rounders with Matt Damon from 1998. Uh, me my brother and my cousins watched it because we've been really getting into playing blackjack on Grand Theft Auto. And uh, wanted a cool movie about poker, and it was pretty good. It was all right. Uh, it was very '90s, and some of the performances were very tough to hang on to, especially, especially, and unfortunately, um, Eric, not Eric Banna. Come on, wow, I'm, I have such a problem with names. Edward Norton. Uh, he just, I don't know. It was, it was tough. But the movie was interesting, and it wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But it was still. <sighs> Still, a very '90s movie. And then, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina—that's brand new. We, my wife and I, we finished season three, which was incredible, really, really, really good. If any of you are fans of that series and either stopped or whatnot, jump back on because season three is great. For those of you that haven't, trust me, it's worth it, especially if you like that sort of stuff. Very uh, cult, uh, occultish. A lot of cool witchcraft and you know, satanic stuff in there. Um, you know, obviously they don't—I don't, don't think—they're actually. I don't think I know they're not actively being like you should start worship, worshiping Satan. So it is cool to see a show like that where the characters in the show fully embrace saying things like what in the heaven or I swear so what is it I swear to God so they say I swear to Lucifer. Uh they just it's it's always the opposite of what it is in heaven or they they like the, when they're playing, praying to Lilith at one point <clears throat> they say hail Lilith full of disgrace which is right, you know, the exact opposite of Hail Hail Mary, Full of Grace. Uh, Just really cool to see. And I guess that's, you know, know, growing up Catholic, it's those sort of things like, ooh, I shouldn't be watching this. This is bad. But I am able to separate myself from the art that I'm viewing. And and in that sense, the art is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, We watched Horse Girl, which is a new Netflix movie with Allison Brie and Molly Shannon and, uh, is directed and written by Jeff Baina, who, if any of you know, did, uh, well, he did Life After Beth, The Little Hours, Joshy, I Heart Huckabees, so it's kind of in that vein of sort of like an awkward, weird movie, but it is a really weird movie in a really fun way, like, I was really, we were really happy we watched it, there's a lot to do with aliens and misremembering things and lost time, if any of that stuff interests you, along with, Allison uh, Alison Brie, gives an awesome performance as a all is she crazy is she not crazy uh, I would really recommend checking it out and it's it's a Netflix movie so if you don't like it you can always just back out you're not gonna have to pay for anything but we thought it was good and then uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle guys I've never seen that movie uh, and I saw it and I loved it it was really good uh, I want to see it again. Uh, Just because when I was younger, I never I've never seen it before. And again, like I said, I'm one of those guys where I never really got around to watching any of those movies. And then, you know, grew up and more movies came out. So they lost. I lost my way. But I finally watched it. That was one of those movies that everyone was talking about when it came out. And I felt left out. But it was good. It was really funny. And it was incredibly smart. The comedy was just whip smart. Really, really glad for that too. Because a lot of stoner comedies end up being kind of dumb. And uh, this one was not. So I'm really happy to see that. And I I, I said I started watching Indiana Jones. I'm going to save that for a different podcast. Because the goal is to watch all of them. I have not seen them in a while. uh, So I would love to talk about them. And so far I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom and uh surprisingly i i kind of my thoughts a little have changed a little bit on the movies but not so much that i changed my ratings on them so they're still right where i left them and uh, we'll see if last crusade and kingdom of the i'm really looking forward to kingdom of the crystal skull i loved the movie i i'm pretty sure i loved it i'm looking on imdb and i gave it a six but i remember really enjoying it because of the aliens and Shia LaBeouf. So I'm really looking forward to rewatching that because I have not seen that since I saw it in theaters in 2008. So it's been, geez, 12 years. Um, so hopefully it's aged well. Kate uh, Blanchett's in that too, so that'll be exciting. Uh, I have a bad feeling it hasn't aged well, but we'll find out. And obviously, this is all in preparation for the new Indiana Jones movie. But that is where we will wrap things up. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you at the movies.